0: When Mark and Dan
1: world. Mark and Dan
0: Podcast
1: stand by me. When Mark and Dan
0: meets Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Mark and Dan Meets World. I'm Dan Brown.
1: Hey, and I'm Mark McCott. Hi, how's everybody doing today?
0: Mark, I'm, I'm doing great. How the hell are you?
1: I'm doing so good right now, dude.
0: I am so happy to hear that. Are you ready to read some book about a girl?
1: Uh, yeah, this is um the deaf girl
0: that we're doing believe... about. <laughs> yes, it was uh, it, it was uh, the deaf, dumb girl. Deaf, dumb, and blind. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Okay. You guys got to see Clerks, too, for that reference. (laughs) But we are doing this episode. It is Season 1, Episode 8, Teacher's Bed. It aired November nineteenth, nineteen 1993. IMDB gave this 8.5 out of 10 with 215 votes. And, Mark, you and I were talking off mic right before the show. We talk about how ahead of the time this TV show was. With everything that's going on with the world right now, this is... It's not quite a a Black Lives Matter episode, but goddamn, it's pretty close to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this episode is not only one of the most important episodes of the season, but probably one of the most important episodes of the series. This brought me like almost to tears of just like, especially Corey's speech at the end. Uh Um, Dude, I wish it was in that class. Like this episode made me want to like go back and read the diary of Anne frank by myself
0: yeah you know we were uh we were just talking about the show right before we hit record here and i was telling you that you know i was getting goosebumps on my arms here but this this is such a heavy episode i do want to get the one lighthearted thing out of the way here so the rest of it's just doom and gloom uh <laughs> the guest star of this episode was a uh was an actress by the name of Lindsay price she uh, she played a girl called Linda. She was Eric's girlfriend at this episode. And as I look up her IMDb, she has one hell of a resume. She was on All My Children. She was on Nine Hundred Two One Zero. She was on uh, The Bold and the Beautiful. I mean, she, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, she has like you know one or two appearances in off movies and, and TV shows. But like those were reoccurring episodes. And she's on the show Splitting Up Together right now, which I believe is on ABC um i don't know if it's still on i'm not sure if it got canceled but that was i saw that that show got actually pretty good reviews she that one hell of an actress they get this early on in the
1: episode yeah while you were looking up her imdb i was looking up her instagram because she is smoking dude she has not aged at all i mean i mean let's say she has not aged since she turned 18 <laughs> <But> yeah <laughs> dude, uh dude, nice I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna look her up here
0: really quick. Um Lindsay Price. Let's take a look. Oh, Lindsay Price. I believe she has a check mark next to her. Yeah, holy cow, she is <laughs> the same face. Not a wrinkle on it, not a day as age. She she looks like she did when she was 17 years old when this episode yeah. aired.
1: Welcome to uh Mark and Dan meets Lindsay Price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to see it. Lindsay Price is going to get like a, a spike in like 100 new followers. <laughs> like, what the yeah. hell is going on? <laughs> but, dude, what a what a heavy episode. Yeah. Like, and I'll say this, too, really quick. I can't believe they didn't get Lindsay Price for more episodes either. Like, yeah. I don't know if she had like contracts or anything
1: else. What incredibly likable person on the show. Yeah, I was disappointed she never came back. Like, I really liked her. I would love to see her and Eric expand on their relationship more. Yeah, the only thing I can think of why they maybe didn't have them
0: on uh, longer, like together, is eventually you're going to have to see them break up. And Eric is probably not going to be the likable person in that scenario.
1: Yeah. Did you ever read the Disney Plus description for today's episode? No, I didn't. All right. So the Disney Plus description is, Corey learns that teaching isn't as easy as one, two, three which i mean come on disney plus there's a whole lot more going on in this episode than that there is way more going on in this
0: episode i uh, i'm going to say this um back when i was in the 7th grade i believe i believe it was there was a rumor that happened that one of our English teachers let one of the students teach one of their classes once. I never got confirmation whether or not that actually happened. Um, and I don't remember the student's name, but I remember hearing that and somebody saying, oh, yeah, she uh, she teach a class for I, I don't even remember that teacher's name now. Holy shit. Um, but I remember that happening. But nobody like ever confirmed it and nobody ever talked about it afterwards either. Huh. Did, did, Did you ever have anything like that or like one of the students taught the class?
1: Um, The closest thing I had was when I was in film school, we were talking about something for stunts. And then they were like, oh, always hire a stuntman. And I was like, you should hire a wrestler because wrestlers are like used to doing stunts and um, like we're used to working long hours, no money, no food. (laughs) <laughs> great with stunts great with improv and then the teacher was just blown away by it and then i was just like i can like show people how to like do punches and stuff so i'm like doing like all these moves on people so like i kind of got to teach a class but like it was more impromptu where it was just like here do some stunts for
0: us yeah i mean i i would say more so that's like a presentation of what you knew yeah you know what i mean like you, i don't think uh the class that day was supposed to be about stunt work you know what i mean yeah uh, or like how to do uh, particular stunts. You know, you don't see too many uh, you don't see too many uh, guys holding the boom stick, uh, the yeah. boom mic, <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking bumps. <laughs> but speaking of no money, I mean, that's how the episode really got started. Um, the Sean and, and Corey and Minkus were in the, the cafeteria and uh, Sean gives uh, Corey a newspaper article about Barry Bonds. Uh, who was getting paid like $40 million for his contract, and it was, Minkus figured it out it was $7.16 million a year, which is just absurd when you look at what baseball players and athletes are making today. Yeah. But I, I do realize this. Um, Minkus pointed out that Mr. Feeney makes about 40000 a year, which at that point you got to figure Feeney's put at least 20 years of work into it, or however long Feeney has said it, um, in previous episodes that he's been teaching. I get that forty thousand used to be a lot more money back in nineteen ninety three, but Jesus Christ, teachers don't make shit.
1: Yeah, they teachers need to get paid way more because, like, not only they're teaching, but they're being babysitters now. Yeah. Do you? So Barry Bonds was the top baseball player in ninety three. Do you know who the top baseball player is today? Um, my money would say Mike Trout. It is actually. Mike Trout of the L.A. Angels.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Mike Trout's making about $40 million a year. Like, I I mean, today's money, that's just redonkulous. Yeah. Um, But that's really, you know, not much what the episode has to be about. The episode comes when, you know... Feeney is talking, and this is the one thing I will say is, is accurate. At least when I went to public school, he was like, "Next week we're talking about prejudice," and I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." They give teachers one week to teach kids about prejudice, which is why we have all these issues that we have right now going on in the world. <laughs> which is why we have half of the country still thinking that the Confederate flag is some kind of like uh, some some symbol of pride for their heritage.
1: Yeah, I, it still baffles me that there's still like General Lee statues uh which which, by the way we need a guar statue in richmond virginia because guar has
0: been around way longer than the confederacy yes (laughs) (laughs) well I, i did see a funny meme that john cena was around like three times as long as the Confederacy. So maybe we should just put up statues of John Cena everywhere. And I will say if Joe Biden goes on on the debate stage, uh, give you an idea, we're actually filming this several weeks before you hear it. Uh, (laughs) If Joe Biden goes on the debate stage and was like, we're going to make statues of John Cena, I'd be like, God damn it, Biden, you had my vote before, but now you solidified it. I'm now a Biden (laughs) supporter.
1: I will vote for anybody who says John Cena statues.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised that we're making as many jokes about this episode (laughs) right now because Corey and Feeney make the deal to switch jobs. And this is where I thought what the fun part of the episode was, was that you got to see Corey pretty much try to teach or or try to treat. He, He treated the classroom like it was a party. Uh, and and Feeney sat down at his desk and he was like, oh yeah, you got the no hat rule and dress codes out the window and, you know, throw paper planes and shit at at your friends. Um, but no real teaching was going on. And that becomes very apparent his second day on the job when he tries to get Sean to pay attention because he realizes all that's at stake. I did think about this because on his first day of the job, he, he reassigned that homework that Feeney assigned the day before. Mm-hmm. Which was read really the first thirty pages. When we were texting, I told you I had this uh, this story. When I was a senior, um, one of our teachers was going through a really nasty divorce. Um, okay. During That's our hilarious. Sequence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a hoot. <laughs> well, what what the funny part was is that so she was gone like for almost like two months, like trying to get things figured out. So we were getting in a new substitute like every other day. It, you know, sometimes we were having a new substitute in like every week, like Monday, a new sub Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all different people. Um, and we were watching a movie right before this happened. And the subs kept starting the movie at the beginning. <laughs> so for weeks, we watched the same like 45 minutes of the movie and we were begging them, like, please, can we start this at a different point? We're tired of watching <laughs> this fucking thing. Um uh, I can't remember the movie for the life of me, but when she came back to work, she would teach. And when she would just get like too um, depressed or something, she would uh, she brought in the DVD set of The Simpsons and we started watching Simpsons. That's awesome. Yeah. um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Do you remember when you read The Diary of Anne Frank? Uh, I believe I read it in probably eighth, seventh or eighth grade. I was definitely in middle school.
0: Okay, I was thinking the same thing. I think we read it in either eighth, maybe ninth grade. Um, it, I think it would have been eighth. I remember we watched Schindler's List in ninth grade, um, and then we really started talking about prejudice like in the eleventh grade. But like again, we didn't spend any time on it. Like we read, we read uh, uh, the Diary of Anne Frank in English class. Like we didn't read that in a history class.
1: Yeah, I feel like this- like reading this book should have been like a bigger impact on like learning. Cause there's so much more that we can learn about, like, like mostly focusing on world war two era. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing. Like, did you have the rec, uh, the required reading like
0: during the summer in, in Cleveland public schools?
1: We did, but nobody fucking did it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know we did it in, uh, in Brooklyn, um, in Brooklyn public school. Um, and I, I got to say, like, I remember we did like, oh, uh, one year you could have done like Huck Finn, mm-hmm. like a, as your required reading. Uh, I'm thinking back, like we should have absolutely had like Anne Frank be like, OK, you're going to read this book. Yeah. This is the book you're going to read. And then maybe the next summer, something else of historical importance to the world, not something of fiction. Mm-hmm. But I do like uh, I do like when Corey starts to take the class, uh, trying to take the class seriously. And then Feeney comes in. <laughs> and you remember how he was dressed like the first time he, he was dressed like Corey. He had like the Philly or was it was yeah, the Phillies was... outfit the second time or the first time?
1: The first time was the Phillies outfit. And then the uh, second
0: time was the meatloaf.
1: Yeah. The meatloaf <laughs> like, Jared, that was so sweater. <laughs> and then like the matching meatloaf hat.
0: Yeah. Oh, that
1: suit. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought that was the funniest thing in the in the whole episode. And then he just continues playing cards with Sean. <laughs> Yeah.
0: The kids are <laughs> that's, just throwing balls and shit. And that's where where Sean, you know, they're, they're dealing candy with each other. And Sean realizes that Feeney has a role Uh Yeah. And he goes, hey, George, because everyone's calling him George or Feeney at the time. Yeah. But no, one's, no one's addressing him as Mr. Feeney. Hey, this is a role aid <laughs> And that, that got a pretty good laugh out of the audience. It got a good laugh out of me while I was watching it.
1: I, like this, the whole like, Thing of just Sean and Feeney playing cards. Like, that's like the funniest part of the, of the episode. Like, the only funny part we can really laugh at. Um, which I, this actually still, brings us. Absurd. To, yeah. Uh, this actually brings us to our sponsor of the week. Oh, yeah. who From who? Attention, Mark and Dan meets world listeners. Where are you going after you listen to this fine podcast? Well, head on down to Sean Hunter Casino and Resort. We have free parking. Where the gambling is hot and the shows are hotter. Plus, free parking! Are you a gambling man? Because we now have a buffet where you can gamble on if you'll get diarrhea or not. On Thursdays, we have Janitor Bud playing the piano. Well, how does he play? Well, we have free parking! Sean Hunter, casino and resort.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know know everyone out there loves some free parking. (laughs) man i i I'm sorry that's i think I think that's our best ad so
1: far they they paid a quarter million dollars to get sponsored
0: yeah <laughs> don't worry, we're investing all that money back in our communities
1: <laughs> we we gotta find humor in this somewhere dude like
0: this is such like a heavy episode. This is because the next thing I'm gonna bring up is not funny at all. Corey's reading the diary of Anne Frank on the living room couch when he talks to his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, Woo! Well, if you think that's a hoot, you should have saw what happened when Eric walked in with Linda and she was <laughs> crying. I will say the one thing I do like about this episode, and maybe they did it because this was truly a family episode, they never said what word that the person at the mall called Linda. Yeah. And I think, like, if if that was something you're watching with your families. I think that's a good teachable moment for a lot of parents with their kids to be able to say like, yes, there, there's many words that, you know, that are out there that we do not use to talk about people because they're offensive and and they're hurtful. And, and I did love the the shock look on, on and I, when I say love, I mean, as somebody who, who's engaged in this episode in the way that this episode is meant to engage you. I, I love looking at Corey's face when he realized that this hatred is still around today, but as much as I love the face that he made, I loved um, in that, that final like classroom scene where, you know, Corey's in the suit and he realizes he lost control of a class and he's a, he tells Feeney he's about to give up and he looks back at Feeney and there's no pride in Feeney's face that Corey failed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like there, there's no anger, there's no sadness. Um, it, it's just Mr. Feeney saying uh, his William Daniels, God damn it. If, if every episode, this guy, his blank face doesn't tell you something else. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never seen a guy say so much without saying anything at all. Exactly. I, I, just what an incredible actor he is. I, I, I absolutely love him. The, the face that he made at Corey was just one of those, like, you understand where I'm coming from right now. When, when Corey called Sean a WAP to get everyone's attention and to explain to him, um, what what racism was. I, I remember Corey um going up there and saying uh we have to learn about anti-semitism. I think he he pronounced it, to which Feeney then corrected him. And he he and this is the first time, you know, since Corey's been the teacher, he did not address Feeney as George. He addressed him back as Mr. Feeney. Mm-hmm. I, I what a what a fucking great moment. And and I'm getting choked up here as I as I say because he explains to the class that they have to pass the tests and it's not for him and it's not for his bet, but because it's important that when we see these troubles that all of us jump in and for what is supposed to be an 11 year old boy saying that I, I I look at what's going on in the news right now and, and I get angry about where the where the world's at and and where we're still at in this country when it comes to come to these topics and, and how some people are just they find everything to be okay the way it is. Uh, I I I'm, I'm at a
1: loss. Yeah. I mean this couple of scenes here like the that 5 minute se- like sequence that you just referred to like there's a lot a lot to unpack there. Uh for one thing when Linda comes in crying and then he said somebody at the mall called her a bad name and they never addressed the name. We don't need to know what name she was called. We just need know that she was called a name and it hurt her that much. And then when he gets, then it gets to the, uh, to the classroom and Corey's just trying to like get the class going. And then Mr. Feeney kind of go like deal me out on this one, Mr. Hunter. And then, he just starts focusing on Corey and Corey's just trying to like teach the class class does not care. So then he goes, all right, I give up and he starts walking. And then, like you said earlier with that face, Mr. Feeney says like, Mr. Feeney is like, he's kind of like telepathically telling him, no, you got this Mr. Matthews. So then Corey turns around and then he calls Sean and goes, what was your mother's, made a name. He was a cartellini. He goes, Cartellini, right? So that makes you uh wop, right? And then he starts getting mad. Uh and then he says, uh, what if you couldn't beat me up? What if you lived in a country where I can kill you for having that last name? It just makes us kind of glad we live in America where we can have free speech, where we can say things, but Later on, when Corey says, "Uh, when we kill, if I can kill you for having your last name," and then he goes into talks about Anne Frank and then all that, he says, "We had you gotta pass this. You have to pass the test. You have to read this book. Not for me, but when something is wrong, we all have to stand up." So that kind of refers to we all have free speech. I mean, I'm glad that we have free speech. We can say whatever we want that's what makes me proud to like live in America. But what's a shaming about it is the fact that when somebody does take their freedom of speech and use it in a negative way uh, to hurt somebody, that's when we should kind of like stand up and say like, Hey man, that's not right. Like, can we like not be assholes? And then I I don't like the whole fact uh, where people try to shut people out just because, Uh, either from the left or the right, where they just kind of shut the uh, other group up because they're saying or doing something they don't like that doesn't do anything. What actually helps with change is talking to people. And I think that's like a a big thing that a lot of people aren't doing now is they're not talking to their opposition to help change things. Uh, So yeah, this like five minute sequence in this episode. There's so much to unpack. And you you know what,
0: what's great about this episode is that the message is so deep. In this episode, I'm to I say Corey meets the world in a huge way. Yeah. I mean in a in a massive way. And I, I do think that, you know, as, as much trouble as sometimes this show has with continuity, um, you know, get missing a couple of, uh, you know, points here or there that, that come back. I, I do think, and we're jumping ahead here to season, season five, when Angela comes in the picture and she's dating Sean, it was still rather rare on television to see a white, white person and a black person dating. Um, but
1: Because yeah. I think they, before that, it was just on Star Trek.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't think of that many. I mean, I'm sure there were movies, but... Yeah. I, I mean, especially for a kid's show, and then to see how everyone in that universe was accepting of it, I, I just I thought that that was great. Um, but the message of, of this movie is just so deep. I don't think many people realize it. There's technically... Four scenes in this movie or I'm sorry, in this television show, there's the cafeteria, there's the classroom, there's the living room and there's the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Those are the only places they went. They didn't go out. There were no outside shots. There were no bedroom shots. um, There were no hallway shots. There was nothing with them at the park or anywhere else. There were four places this entire episode took place in. I don't think that many people like actually
1: caught on yeah and i'm glad that we never went to the mall we never saw mm-hmm. eric and linda get called that name we experienced it through Corey's eyes where he was just reading the book and he goes oh yeah this is kind of interesting and then he comes home and then he sees it in person this is like kind of opened my eyes because i didn't see this episode till i was about in sixth or seventh grade so like i you know you and i we we're children of the nineties where we were grew up with uh, everybody's equal. We all kind of, you know, don't look at anybody different. Like my best friend growing up was Puerto Rican and we weren't like, Oh, you're the Puerto Rican kid. You're the white kid. We were just like, Oh, you like Batman. You like star Wars. You like wrestling. Cool. And that's how we were in the nineties. Like we grew up with like, Oh, there's no differences. Like we're all kind of cool. So we kind of lived in like this little sheltered bubble. And then this episode kind of dipped my toe in the water of like, Oh no, there's like a lot of like shithead people out there who are racist and stuff. So this kind of opened my eyes. And then like later on, as I got older, I, you know, still saw all this shit coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, um, I will say, it. you know, I'm glad to see how the episode ended because, you know, it ended with with their tie, you know, it ended with their bet ending in a tie. Um, so Corey got to keep his bike and, and Feeney got to keep his paycheck. Um, you saw that Corey had a new respect for Feeney in this episode and had a new respect for teachers. I, I will say the, the one thing um, in this episode that they could have done without, but As somebody who likes happy endings with with TV shows and movies, I'm happy to see that it ended with with Linda becoming a cheerleader. Yeah. And feeling, you know, and being on top of the world. So, you know, even this hatred could not bring down somebody as
1: likable and as friendly as someone like Linda. Yeah. And I would say the Mr. Feeny lesson of the week is I'm just going to kind of use the quote from the diary of Anne Frank that Corey quoted is in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. And I think that right there is just like a huge message that we all need to take care of. Like not everybody is absolute evil. Not, you know, everybody is still wants to do good. And I think the best way to do it is just talking to those people who are Perceived as evil because they could be good at hurt and maybe you could be the change um, in changing them just talking and being positive towards people.
0: Yeah, you know market. I, I think with with the world being as, as crazy of a place as it is right now. I, I do think this is a good place to leave off on this episode. I, I know I DB said it was uh, 8.5 out of 10. Um, I'm going to say the IMDB ratings the same thing that I say to Dave Meltzer ratings. Fuck you. You don't know shit. This is an 11 out of 10 episode for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely perfect writing, acting, um, message, um, longevity, everything. If there is a perfect television episode, this is it. Yeah, definitely.
1: I I definitely agree with that.
0: Well, Mark, is there uh, anything you want to add to this episode of Teachers Bet?
1: Uh yeah. Uh I would like to add Bobo Skidin' Dootin' rootin' tootin' yay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I hope you all just got a good laugh out of that. That was the <laughs> other continuity thing because if you remember, Linda went up there and said Adams high yay, and she was wearing an A instead of a J A for John Adams. Yeah. So they ended up changing that. Yeah. That's a good good observation. But I think that's where we're at, you know, and I I think right now, um, where the world is and even when the world gets back to a more normal or as we improve, I think it's always going to be important to ask what, what would Mr. Feeney do? Think about that. When you go to your ballot box, think about that when you're interacting with people, how would Feeney treat this person? Um, what would Feeney think of the situation? And I really think if you start doing that, you're going to start seeing, um, your life go in a more positive direction. Well, Mark, I would say this is pretty good right now. I think this is a great place to end the episode. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to Mark and Dan Meets World. Make sure you tune in next week for Season 1, Episode 9 of Class Pre-Union. A little more fun with that episode than (laughs) with today. Uh, But I'm super excited. I I absolutely love this episode. Um, But that's next week uh, for today, for tonight, for when you listen to this. Thank you guys so much. Please enjoy Mark and Dan Meets World. Follow us on Spotify, on Anchor, and all the other platforms you can get us on. Uh, Everybody have a good week.
1: Do good. Hey, everybody. Are you enjoying Mark and Dan Meets World? You do? Then there's a really good chance that you also like comic books. If that's the case, then you need to check out Dan Brown and Heyman, Save Christmas. Yes, the co-host of this show and my best friend, comedian Dan Brown, wrote his very own comic book series. You're going to get lost in the action comedy of the terrorist attack at the North Pole and a comedian who has to save his beloved holiday with his trustful St. Bernard. Check it out. Get the whole series. Read all three books. Read them again if you want. That's at danbrowncomedy.com. That's danbrowncomedy.com. In five minutes, the sun goes down on the suburbs, and 55
0: cops with their guns drawn are betting the suburban legends go with it. Sean Manos is Craig Lazenby. Mary Lee Osborne is Jamie Doyle and introducing Matthew Phillips as Motherfucker Dave. All is fair in love and art. The action begins when they hit the start. Three friends are down to their last resort on making their movie, are now turned to a life of crime to create the budget for their dream to become real. They're making a healthy living by making living unhealthy. Suburban Legends, Life on the Rainbow Road, also starring Haley Madison, Mike Travis, Josh Miller, Calvera Candy, and with a special appearance by Lloyd Kaufman. Suburban Legends, Life on the Rainbow Road. They're not criminals, they're artists. Suburban Legends, Life on the Rainbow Road, an MTV production written and directed by Mark McKay. Children under 17, be advised. Available now at storenv.com slash Mark McKay's gimmick table. That's Mark McKay, M-A-C. K-A-Y-E